truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre. Todd Erzin is here with us as well. We have a fourth member that will be joining us here momentarily. We'll introduce him here in a moment. 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Who doesn't like us? So give it a shot. Chances are it probably won't count because we've grown by like 14 Facebook likes in two years. But you can try following us on Twitter as well, at Steve Dace Show. And if you're doing audio only today, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. It is a Friday. Normal Friday business coming up next hour. It'll be your turn. We will delve into that stevedace.com inbox for some feedback Friday. We also, though, before we get to all of that, must begin with the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was, and there is the fourth member of our panel. I believe that is Josh Hammer, one of the uh, mucky mucks over there at the Daily Wire. Josh, how are you? You came back? I, I came back, Steve. I'm a glutton for punishment. What can I say? You don't want this smoke. <laughs> He's like got seven law degrees. <laughs> I, I flunked out for playing too much Tech Mobile in undergrad. Clark, you don't want to step to this. You don't want to step to this. Clerked for federal judges. Hey, I, he, he clerked for federal judges. I threw some judges out. So how you like them? There apples? we go. How's that? I think All he'd right? accept that one. I think is that one acceptable? Yes. Okay. Josh, it's good to see you, brother. Thanks for joining us again. Let's get to issue one. Bleep Democrats say. Wait, 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 wait. You're getting nervous, man. The patriarchy. Donald Trump. I think what's at the heart of it. Is who you ask to be your judge, who you want on your list. And I'll tell you what the answer's been for Donald Trump, because I've seen this, guys. Homophobic. That's in. I support the Second Amendment. I own 20 gauge and a 10 and a, excuse me, a 12 gauge shotgun. Racist. That's in. Um, uh, sexist. Oh, yeah. My Lord. Any of you guys who need a clip that has 100 rounds in it, you shouldn't be hunting, man. You're endangering yourself. Mike Pence. White supremacy and anti-voter. That's been a big qualification. The way we did when we reformed the system with the DACA, I would not retain them behind bars. They show not up. A- no, here's what they do. They show up. Sometimes you have an ankle bracelet, you set a hearing. We have to we have to surge. We have to surge to the border, to the areas where people are being held. Get rid of all the cages, everybody out of prisons. Racism. Misogyny. The greatest threat to the United States today, China, Iran, North Korea, or Russia. Can I pick a fifth? You can pick a fifth. Climate. Homophobia. Transphobia. Capitalism. And Bernie respects us enough to tell the truth, the hard truth. We have a 10 to 12 year window to radically transform our energy systems or climate change, predatory capitalism and the endless war economies. 
rob us of the right to any future at all. It will help us when we send all the Republicans to the Can you imagine Mitch McConnell? Oh, God, he wouldn't survive a day. Lindsey Graham. You have been very critical of the role of undisclosed money, big money in politics. Um, the Associated Press recently reported, though, that you are benefiting from the support of a large political action organization that you helped to launch. Um, how do you square, you know, your, your statements on that with the existence of this That's large group? question. I mean, we have a broken uh, campaign finance system. Look, I don't tolerate terribly well. And... To be ethical, if you're a billionaire today, the thing that you need to do is give up control and power. So I don't want your money as much as we want your power. The people, not me. By having better hands guided by better values on those pulleys and levers of American government. So can I look to you to spread that sense of hope to those that you know? Come on. <laughs> First question, what was your favorite bowl of Fruit Loops this week? Josh, as the guest, you get to go first. Go ahead. Well, I appreciate it, Steve. You know, on the one hand, I'm inclined to kind of just go off on the whole climate change is worse than Iran, North Korea, China, Russia, whatever thing. And that is really bad. It's become a common talking point on the left. They all crazily seem to think this, that climate change is legitimately a bigger national security threat than a fanatical Islamist regime pursuing nuclear weapons and the North Koreans who have nuclear weapons. That is insane. But I, let's talk about the Project Veritas thing there for a little bit, because, you know, as the late Dennis Green, the NFL coach, famously said in that one postgame presser when he was coaching the Arizona Cardinals, they are who we thought they were. They <laughs> literally are. Right. I mean, Bernie Sanders honeymooned in the Soviet Union. We knew that he flew a hammer and sickle flag when he was the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, at the height of the Cold War, which is insane in and of itself. But James O'Keefe's Project Veritas here has gotten Bernie Sanders staffers, leaders in the field, actually talking. And they don't seem to be particularly joking to me. They seem at least quasi to half serious about re-education camps in Gulag. I mean, the level of historical ignorance bordering on sheer evil is pretty – it's close to incalculable, honestly. I mean, do they have any idea how many people starved to death, were worked to death in the Soviet Gulags? I mean, Stalin's death toll – was higher than Hitler's. That's like a historical consensus. I said, this is just, it's evil. I, I don't have another word to say. It's really evil. Todd. There's so much to pick from. and that's, This was a banner week. That's so desperately sad. So let me yeah. start this way. Uh, I'd like to quote the prophet, the great Lloyd Dobler, to the man who played him, John Cusack. If you know so much about chicks, man, what are you doing here on a Friday <laughs> night at 10 o'clock? Perfect. With no girls in sight, uh, conscious choice, man. He was even wearing like a like a, one of those head protectors, like in uh, Sixteen Candles there when he was talking for Bernie. That was perfect, perfect, perfect. Just you were a decent actor. Can you go back to that? You know that. What was that movie? You must have liked that movie about music. You must High have, fidelity. Yeah, you must have dug yeah, that. You know, yeah. come on, just. Give us what you're good at. This is ridiculous. Uh, I th this is obvious. There's, uh, th but the, the the woman in the real life clown wig, Ronald McDonald, gender non-binary, whatever is going on she there. She seems nice. Yeah, that's. Um, I know that's kind of like low hanging fruit, but along the same lines as, as Josh Josh said. That, I mean, these people are real. They are who we thought they were. They. they 
this woman, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's got a couple masters. We are the most educated history nation in all of civilization in terms of pound for pound the number of people who have sat in class for a number of years and learned things. This is what it's producing. This What's the old William F. Buckley madness. line? Only in, only in America's universities would you find ideas this bad, right? Yeah, and this is why William yeah. F. Buckley said, I would rather be governed by 50 people chosen at random from the phone book right. than this. We're a long way from Cindy Sheehan. Remember those days? Yeah. I mean... Code Pink? San- is it, yeah. San- yeah, Sandra Fluck is Winston Churchill right now, guys. Okay. I mean, it, it, we have, we are way, uh, way up the May, the Maypole right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now. To, but this is what, what Theoden uh, in Lord of the Rings said, what is, what can people do against such wanton hate? I mean, you, you can't reason with this. You can only defeat that at the end of the day. Yes, it, it, absolutely. It, 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 you cannot, how do you tell me how there, while recognizing that it's hard to map the mind of a nut job, all right? And, and if you can't have the nut job, be, nut job be your lemon test for viability or the credibility of, of, of what you're associated with, because you can find nut jobs that like anything you like, right? I mean, yeah. there's a certain randomness to human behavior east of Eden, okay? Yes. But, but she's, she's a fruit loop, but she's also lucid. Right, we've we've talked in the past about leftism producing cults produce what I call lucid insanity. She's a designer, Fruit Loop. Yes, yes like right. like you could you would give her a driver's license. You you would give her a well, maybe not a voter ID, but you know what I'm saying. Like like yeah. like in any other context, you'd be fine probably communicating with her. But once we go into this arena, it's like all restraint is is stripped away. All right, and it's just pure id. Okay. You have to ask yourself, how do you share a country? How do you compromise with the kinds of candidates and ideologies somebody like that looks at and says, I think I could support that. I think that aligns up with, with what I believe. Tell, tell me how you do that. How do you negotiate with that? You don't, and to be clear, and, and are they she's, negotiating with us? Yeah, and she's the weird person you've never heard of with red hair. But if you go to that other clip, Elizabeth Warren is it's, saying the exact yes, yes. same thing, and she might be president in a, in a, of the United States. Yes, she's saying those exact same things in a pantsuit. Yes, with just out with, with, with just without the f bombs. No question about that. See, I don't think there's any negotiating. Klingons don't take prisoners. I don't think there's any negotiating happening here. I think they they fully understand it's defeat or you're 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 defeated or we are. I th- I think they fully understand that. Aaron, for me, it has to be the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez gaffe and the reminder of what a gaffe is. It's when a politician opens his or her mouth and the unvarnished truth comes out. And that's what happened with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when she says, we don't really want your money, we want your power. And that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true of progressivism. They don't tax you because they want your money. They tax you because they want power to do what they want to do. 
And yes, that requires money, but the real motivation is power. I mean, that's that's the whole motivation behind the global warming scam is because when you have an economy where energy is cheap, where the transportation is cheap, there's a lot better chance that you're going to be successful and empower yourself with that than without. So that's that's behind that's kind of part and parcel to the the, the global warming fanaticism that you saw a little bit in that montage. But make mo- no mistake, and maybe it was just a misspeak. You know, m- maybe she did just misspeak. But no, that's that's the hallmark of progressivism right there. We want your power, and as Todd said, there's no way to reason with that. When your enemy tells you that uh, we want to defeat you, um, you better believe them. Mm-hmm. And the only alternative is not a Neville Chamberlain uh, peace for our time. Nope, there's none of that. You have to defeat your enemy, and that's what that's what it's going to take. On a scale of 1 to 10, exit question, gentlemen, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T-level and 10 being as robust and vigorous as Ilan Omar's anti-Semitism. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Josh. Uh, it's it's got to be like an 8.5 or a 9. Pretty high. Todd? 10? Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm with you guys. It's high. What do you think, Aaron? 8. Yeah, it, it, this this again. It was a it was a banner week. Let's get to issue two. Yes, Virginia, there is a Second Amendment. Virginia's General Assembly is considering a few measures this term aimed at grabbing guns. Some of the measures include so-called red flag laws, letting authorities temporarily seize a person's guns if deemed a threat, and a purchase limit for handguns per month, as well as a ban on so-called assault weapons and a ban on magazines holding more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Some Virginia counties and towns have already declared themselves sanctuary cities or counties, including Grayson County, whose Sheriff Richard Vaughn says he won't enforce the laws if they're passed. Bills go through as proposed. They will not be enforced. They're unconstitutional. We support to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Virginia, and that's what we'll do. This week, thousands gathered in Virginia's capital to protest the proposed measures, which, of course, meant breathless coverage from the media. Right now, thousands of gun rights activists, white nationalists, militia groups all swarming the Virginia state capitol. There are a lot of people nervous about what's going to happen. Authorities in Richmond are on high alert. It could be a tense day. Such polarization, what may happen in Virginia. Several hate groups, supposedly some white nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalists. What actually went down was more along the lines of this. The real reason I'm out here is I do not support in any way, shape, or form Governor Northam's and the Democrats' gun control. What I also don't support is the fact that every news piece you've seen on this this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race, as though it's nothing but white rednecks and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment, when actually... Black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Americans in general care about the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. One wonders if, if black folks had been given rights to the Second Amendment shortly after its ratification in the U.S. Constitution. How much longer do you think slavery might have lasted? Probably not well into the 19th century would be my guess. It, it, it would have at least been shorter. Todd, first question to you. What is happening in Virginia and what do you think it means for the rest of the country? Well, I have two points on this, the second of which I'm fascinated to hear Joss's take out. One thing that's happening, it, while it is fantastic to hear men like that at the end, and there were many other uh, uh, black men and women uh, 
at that uh, event. The fact that that happened on Martin Luther King Day is is perfect. I mean, it is divine providence as far as I'm concerned. But this falls in line with the grand history of nonviolent resistance that MLK, Gandhi, and others have practiced. Whether they had weapons on their side or not, both those men I just mentioned, by the way, were very much pro-Second Amendment. They walked in there and showed exactly uh, to the world, when you want to contrast that with Antifa uh, and others on the left and how they protest. I mean, these guys were picking up trash in the street afterwards non-violent resistance embodying the best of mlk that's a mind scramble for most people but those are the dots you need to connect it is in that tradition secondly and here's where i want i i want josh's take on the 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 sheriff uh who said i will not uphold it it's unconstitutional that gets to the guts of so much of this and many issues it's not it's not just the black robe federal judges that swear an oath it is public servants at every level of government uh, and as local as that gentleman is yet somehow we have it in our heads that if you wear that black robe that trumps all the oaths we take executive branch oaths whatever they may be at whatever level state local that man's oath and him him being beholden to uh defending it is every bit as strong as the judicial branch of the federal government. And until we get that straight, we're just going to be chasing our tails on this. That that sheriff is exactly right. I will not uphold it. And my right to defend and protect the Constitution and the oath I made to God to do so is every bit as robust as any federal judge anywhere. This is the point, Josh, we've been trying to make to our audience for several years, what, what Todd is emphasizing there, which is, these these judges they can they can issue whatever they want they cannot carry out their own orders um and you go back to when we had the government shutdown i think it was over the sequester in the obama years and they had the uh, you had the the washington mall and the vietnam memorial things that are open if you go to dc they're open you can walk up to them anytime day or night i mean they're just constantly available to see and he shut them down uh, in order to make it look, uh, you know, like uh, th- these were vital government things, and this is what happens when we have government shutdowns. And you had uh, you had government workers come off of furlough to enforce these shutdowns and remove veterans from their own memorials. It all throughout history, in any form of government, the whoever seeks to impose the tyranny cannot do so unilaterally. There must be a bureaucracy that essentially is willing to say we were just following orders. Yep. That's what is always required to carry out these dictates. Yeah. So first of all, before getting into into the law, and I obviously do want to wade into that, um, the people that we just saw and that gentleman at the end, who I guess works part time in a gun shop. To me, these are civil rights marchers. They are literally marching to defend what Justice Joseph Story in his 1833 commentary on the Constitution referred to as, quote, the palladium of all our liberties, which was the right to keep and bear arms. And Steve, to your point, maybe my favorite opinion that Justice Clarence Thomas has ever written, and there's a lot to choose from there, was his 50 to 60 page lengthy concurrence in McDonald versus City of Chicago, a 2010 case that actually incorporated the Second Amendment as against the states. And Justice Thomas, who obviously grew up as a very poor black man in the Jim Crow South, talks at length about what you just talked about, which is how the Second Amendment was deprived to blacks in the South, how it was used as a tool of subjugation. So it's very inspiring and empowering for me to see a black man like we saw in that video talk about this, because that's exactly right, historically speaking. So getting into the law a little bit, uh, Steve, you're obviously right there, too. 
Alexander Hamilton, Federalist number 78, one of the most widely discussed and often quoted Federalist papers mm-hmm. of them all. He says that the judiciary shall have, quote, neither force nor will, but merely judgment and depends upon the efficacy of the executive branch, even for the enforcement of its own actions. And to Todd's point, it is it is absolutely correct that every official in the judicial, legislative and executive branch at both the federal and the state level takes their own independent oaths to the Constitution. That oath is to the Constitution, of course. That oath is not to the Constitution as bastardized and erroneously misinterpreted by a bare, slim Anthony Kennedy, David Souter-led 5-4 majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. So to that point, um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on her last name, but Kim in Kentucky after Obergefell, the, um, Kim the, Davis. the woman who was, Kim Davis, yeah. yes. So I actually talked about her in a law school paper. I wrote my final year of law school. I, I defended Kim Davis. I defended her right to do what she did because for this exact reason, that her oath was to the Constitution of the United States. Her oath was not to the Anthony Kennedy-led majority in the constitutional abomination known as a Birchfeld versus Hodges. So, Steve, thank you for all your work on this issue. You and I are two of the only people out there who I think consistently preach this message, but it is absolutely legally, and I would say morally correct as well. Ditto. Aaron, your thoughts? I think what else is happening here in Virginia is another illustration of how the left sees elections versus how maybe the right sees elections. And I, th- I think what we're seeing, what we saw on Monday, is definitely encouraging as far as the right goes and that they're, 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 you know, they're making their voices heard. I mean, you can't ignore thousands of people in the streets outside of a Capitol building. But what the left does when they get power is they use that power as fast as they possibly can. Virginia up until 2008, solid red Solid red state, at least uh, in the presidential uh, elections. And it's been, what, 12 years now, uh, just a little bit over 12 years. And now we're talking about some major drastic changes or proposed changes threatening Second Amendment rights in Virginia. Leftists are not afraid of using their power. They do not care about whether or not they are reelected. And some of them, of course, the career, you've always got the career politicians, but in mass. They don't really care about losing elections. They're out to win an argument by hook or by crook. And again, there's a lot of states with maybe um, purple uh, to to uh, blue legislatures that wouldn't touch the way that Virginia is with a 10 foot pole. Uh, this type of legislation, but you know what, Ralph Northam, uh, Blackface Northam, he's he's just fine with it. Uh, the the rest of the Democratic uh, Democratic uh, Party in that state doesn't seem doesn't seem scared at all. They're coming right after this, mm-hmm. and so we have to remember that as well. When it comes to the left, they really don't care about the ramifications of what they do. When they get in power, they use it. That is a phenomenal point, Aaron. And I mean, you can just contrast. And and the hist- the historicity that you cited there, I mean, since Reconstruction, I believe Virginia went Democrat in a presidential election one time ever, uh, prior to uh, Bill Cl- no prior to Barack Obama, and that was uh, LBJ in 1964, I think. I mean, this was a reliable red state, uh, and then it's become then it kind of became a it was it then kind of became a swing state that tilted red, but George W. Bush still won it a couple of times, and now it's kind of looked at as a swing state that tilts blue. And but as Aaron cited, that's only been a recent phenomenon, and so you would think, right, if you've been a Republican for ten minutes, 
you would think that these Democrats would come into this new territory and would be like, you know, we just took this thing over. Let's do the slow march yeah, through the institutions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Terry right McAuliffe now. barely beat Ken Cuccinelli a few years ago when every poll had him winning that thing in a rout, and he didn't win it till the final 2% of precincts. Um, you know, I mean, this is, let's just, you know, because that's the way Republicans roll, right? Right up the road, you saw that at the Capitol complex when Republicans won total control of government into after the 2016 election. They they you know tiptoed between the tulips on repealing Obamacare, one with an with a repeal effort that wasn't a repeal, and then they were gonna quasi repeal it, and they never really did. And then in two years they could do nothing but a tax cut, which is essentially remedial math in the Republican Party. I mean, that's just like, you know, you, you that's that's how you get like your your Bobcat badge in Republican Scouts is a tax cut. I mean, it's the most basic accomplishment of to be a Republican. You you, you breathed and you cut taxes. Okay, I mean that, that's that's. I mean that you can't get more infantileism within the Republican Party, and that's all they did for two years. And you watch, we, we're killing babies in bedpans if mom doesn't want them, and we're dressing up in blackface, and we're taking your guns. Uh, I mean, I, it, it's just like reckless abandon. Every election win, the left treats as if it's a mandate, whether it is or not. And I don't see that ever changing um, because I just don't see the Republican Party changing. And I, I think you saw the, the inability that Trump has had to move them internally really on any level at all. And, and I think three minutes after he goes away, they're going to pretend like this was all a temper tantrum and just go right back to the same party they were before. I don't, I don't see that changing. And I think every one of you watching and listening to this has to determine in your own mind whether in your particular state, you know, if you've got a good governor that will pass some good bills, if you take control of the legislature and invest in that process. But I think each one of us has to make up our own minds as to what level of investment is worth our time in this political party. Because on a national level, I, I just, I don't see it changing. You just have, they just don't agree with people like us. They just don't. And they're funded by people that don't agree with us. And so, I don't see that changing. Josh, I've got about a minute here before the exit question if you want to agree or disagree with that. Yeah, no, I don't have much to disagree with, Steve. I mean, you know, I've certainly slung my share of rhino rhetoric on Twitter and columns over the years. Um, I don't have particularly nice things to say about the Republican establishment. But to your latter point, I think it is important to get engaged at a state and local level because the reality is that if we're going to be conservatives and constitutionalists and believe in federalism, most of the action is going to happen at the state and local level. So mm -hmm. I, would just, I, I, I would just encourage all the viewers to, even if you get frustrated, as I think all four of us are with the state of the National Republican Party, to, uh, you know, it depends where you live, obviously, but try not to lose hope at the state or at least the local level. I mean, even school board elections, just grassroots activism of that nature can actually make an impact. They really can. Good point. Exit question. True or false? Virginia is the left's test case for what they seek to do nationwide if given the power. Aaron. Um, absolutely, absolutely true. I, I just think that what they'll try to – I mean they're, they're always going to keep trying to move the ball forward until they get rid of all guns uh, Australia style. So it, yes, it's a test case, but I think they're going to try something more dramatic and more drastic sooner than later. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, it's definitely a test case, right? I mean, again, they are who we thought they were. They're doing exactly what they're doing with they, if they have the levers of power nationally, I think. Todd? False. They're in full Joker. Do I look like a guy with a plant? They just do things. There's not, this isn't, a, it, it happens to be taking place in Virginia. It's not tactical, though. They're just, they're just on a rant now, and it's not going to stop unless we stop it. 
Hey, did you know that dry dog food is processed just like the human food is? That's why it's got a two or three year shelf life. That's why when you know we buy the processed food at the grocery store, it doesn't expire for two years. Okay. And you ever check that food after it expires two years later and you notice it looks exactly the same as when you bought it off the shelf? All right, so dog food manufacturers, they're sterilizing the food when they make it for your puppies as well. That uh, strips away the probiotics, enzymes, vitamins, health, healthy microbacterias, things that your dog needs, just like we need in our food. That's why we're taking so many supplements nowadays, get the stripped away from our food as well. So don't feed your dog dead food if you can avoid it, all right? So um, if you've got a healthy supplement out there that p- puts into your dog's food all of those live nutrients necessary for superior dog health, take advantage of it. No matter if you feed your dog the most expensive food on the market or even make it yourself, you're going to have the exact same problem. And that's why you want to check out Rough Greens VitaSmart. It makes your dog's food even better. We tried it with our little Bichon at home a few days ago. And, and now that's, the, that, that's become another treat bag. Every time he sees that bag, uh, we got the powder. We can mix it in with his water. He follows it all the way to his dish and drinks it all down right away. He absolutely loves it. So if you want to try this and see your dog thrive again, just go to Rough Greens, that's R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash blaze, roughgreens.com slash blaze. Or you can call 833-MY-DOG-33. And if you're like me, you can't ever line up the the letters with the numbers on your mobile phone. That's 833-693-6433. 833-693-6433. Or again, check out Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash blaze. When we come back, Bernie Sanders is clearly having a moment. But will the moment last? We will get into that and more as we continue the day group right here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Stay tuned. Back here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre here with me alongside Josh Hammer, editor at large over at The Daily Wire. Let's continue our look back at the week that was with issue three burn notice. It's apparently open season on Bernie Sanders in the Democratic presidential primary. I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national TV. Let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion, we'll have that discussion. You called me. You told me. All right, let's not do it now. This week, Hillary Clinton was quoted by The Hollywood Reporter as saying, quote, he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it, end quote. But that's perhaps because the socialist is apparently seeing a surge in support across the country. The first CNN national poll to show Bernie Sanders leading the Democratic PAC was released this week, where Sanders leapfrogs Joe Biden's 24 percent of support with his 27 percent. Elizabeth Warren is way behind and third at 14 percent. In Iowa, a couple of polls this week showed Bernie Sanders lagging behind Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, but a couple of polls out of New Hampshire, including one from WBUR, shows Sanders with a commanding lead in the Granite State, leading Pete Buttigieg 29 percent to 17 percent. Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren register at 14 and 13 percent, respectively. So... 
Got a big uh, endorsement today. Bernie did as well from Joe Rogan, who has probably the number one podcast on planet Earth, or at least in in English speaking, uh, uh, the English speaking world right now. Endorsing him because he said he was the quote the most consistent candidate, and I I would agree with Joe. I, I can't think of a modern politician in recent American history that has more consistently been on the wrong side of history than our resident uh, uh, Soviet slappy. So. I, I I think Joe nailed it, just maybe not necessarily in the way that he intended. But let's let's get to the first question here. Aaron, I'll start with you. Is Bernie Sanders the Democratic frontrunner? At this particular moment in time, I think he I think he probably is. I think he probably is. And it, it it's not reflected quite yet in some of the Iowa polls, I don't believe. But I think the longer that this goes on, I, this is the type. This is the type of time. This is kind of the point in time that before the Iowa caucuses, this is when you want to be peaking. We talked about that with Pete Buttigieg, Bernie, or with uh, Elizabeth Warren as well, where they had their peaks, but they peaked maybe a little bit too early. This is about the time about the time when you really want to be peaking. Uh, about two weeks till the caucus. Uh, because there's there's still enough time to add a little bit of of momentum, and the less time there is to uh, you know it mitigates anything that bad that comes out of this as well. So we'll probably see this weekend. I'm sure some more polls will be coming out of Iowa. We'll we'll be seeing this weekend for sure whether or not he's having a moment. But national polls, we poo poo those all the time on the show. The CNN poll that came out this week, though, it it does I think really tell us kind of a temperature of the mood of the overall democratic conglomerate and the fact that bernie sanders is pulling ahead of joe biden who has led that poll i think pretty much since he's been running that's kind of a bigger deal than than i think uh, it, it seems like on its face again all that matters right now is iowa but as far as the mood of the democratic electric uh, across the the country that's kind of a kind of a big deal. So I think he definitely is the, the Democratic front runner right now. Definitely seems as if your boy Pete Buttigieg has had some premature elevation. Yeah, Todd. he's he's really well. Yeah. Our two worlds now, I think, are finally fully colliding. My belief that he was going to be relevant right up till the end proved to be right. Your sense that. Uh, that eventually the natural too, law of politics he's too well, green yeah he's too green too yeah. it's too early for prime time that that seems to be clicking in yeah. um listen he is the front runner now and i think it's back, we're talking back to bernie yes okay. it's fantastic because it's honest uh this is with if they are willing to package this inside of an 80 year old white guy they are finally ready to tell you who they really really are right if they were checking boxes before it was never listen we all on some uh, first black president first woman president hey amen when the when the time is right and we got the right person uh th- that'll be progress but that that covers over ideologically who the left really really is because there's all kinds of people drifting over from the the center and even people who voted republican a lot but yeah i want the first black president i kind of want the first woman president now here we are getting something truly honest bernie sanders is 
it's again why I thought he's inevitable on some level because he's the one with the base that was never ever ever going to go away. They can trust him. People have dabbled in trying to trust Pete, dabbled in trying to trust Elizabeth. They all know on that they, those people cannot be trusted to take them where they want to go. They trust it with blood oaths to Bernie Sanders. I hope he goes the distance uh and then America uh, it's it's quite frankly up to you and see if uh, the meaning of the Declaration of Independence and uh, the liberties uh, enshrined there are, are worth defending or not. Um, it's a fantastic moment to be alive. As depressing and as it is often for us on many days to talk about how far we've come, an opportunity to be weighed and measured and to say, no, I am I, I, not going to be found wanting. That's where this election stands if Bernie Sanders is the guy in the dock. What's that ancient Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times? Yeah, yeah, man. As you were just talking, I was just sitting in here thinking, I mean, when, when, when I moved over to do this full time from sports in 2006, and if, if you'd have told me that, Steve, the long-awaited worldview trial before the American people that, that you really want to see. Well, we get outside of the consultants and, and the talking points and, uh, and, and, and the pale pastels, and we're just going to lay it on the line. Where's everybody really coming from? You're going to get it. And it's going to be an 80-year-old Soviet versus a nearly 80-year-old Donald Trump. Well, you didn't believe I, I that just, a month and a half ago, man. I, no, I didn't. I just... I, I, <laughs> Just this is interesting, Josh. Your thoughts? So you know, on that point, I was kind of hoping for a Ted Cruz versus Bernie Sanders fight in 2016. Right. Uh, that, I mean, say say what you will about Trump, and he's certainly you know enacted a lot of policies that conservatives are happy about, but he's not exactly a blood for the cause true believer in a sense that Ted Cruz was. So sure. if, if Cruz had if Cruz and Sanders had duked it out, that really would have been you know, four years ago, a, a duke, duke it out moment for the heart and soul of America. Yeah, this isn't going to yeah, exactly be inherit the wind. I agree with you on that. Okay, but 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 sometimes, you know what, it's not the trial we need, but it's probably the trial we deserve, Josh. Yeah, yeah no, that, that, that's, that's certainly very fair. So I write a weekly newsletter for our site. It's called Election Wire, where I do like election and impeachment analysis and look at the polls and all that. What I've been saying for a month or two now is that I am at this point refusing to say that anyone other than Joe Biden is the front runner, at least until Iowa speaks. And I have two main reasons for doing that. One is I kind of got my hand on cookie jar like a lot of pundits did earlier by pronouncing that, that like Elizabeth Warren was mm-hmm. was rising, surging. I, I around like September, October, she really did look to me like she was a genuine front runner, and that that moment just failed. So I, at this point, I'm going to wait until Iowa comes in. You got to remember Joe Biden also. He has South Carolina as a firewall. He's obviously immensely popular among black voters across the South. That's going to help him on Super Tuesday after South Carolina as well. Having said that, Bernie Sanders, I do think, is the genuine favorite in New Hampshire right now. It's hard not to come to that conclusion looking at the polls. So if he can eke out a win in Iowa, and you know, I defer to the three of you, obviously, in terms of the sense of on the ground there he really probably does transform into the front runner. So this is just really too close to call. And you got, the thing about Bernie Sanders, you got to remember is he has the most loyal, dedicated group of supporters right. of anyone in right. the field. He's got a solid 15 to 18% supporters who will never, ever abandon him. 
And you can't take that for granted in politics. It's, no, it's you can't. It's important. He's, he's the one candidate in this race who knows he's not going to go in on the on caucus night on February 3rd with, with less voters. He's not going to come out with less voters than he had going in. Now, he may not grow by many more. Who knows? But we, he's the only one who can say, I'm not coming out with less than I had walking into these various caucus sites. And just a couple of quick facts. Again, we, we started what we know as the modern primary system, technically in 72, but 76 is really when it kicked in full bore. Since then, no one that has won the first two states in either party has not been the nominee. If you have won Iowa and New Hampshire, you have been the nominee every time. In the Democratic Party, no one that, had, that did not win Iowa in a contested year, 1992 was not a contested year because Tom Harkin was running as a favorite son, and so they barely campaigned here that year. So the last time someone won, won, won Iowa in a contested year and did not win the nomination on the Democratic side, you got to go all the way back to Dick Gephardt in 1988. Michael Dukakis was a close second that year, ended up being the nominee. But uh, since 1988, every time someone wins a contested Democratic caucus, uh, they end up being the nominee, period. Uh, so, I, you know, we always run into the smarty pants who like to, you know, diminish what goes on here. And it's not really that impactful and it doesn't matter. And as you like to say, Todd, the status quo is the status quo till it's not anymore. We may end up seeing that that trend will end and we'll have to, but we're going to have to see it because history says that it matters actually quite a bit. Let's get to the exit question. If the likelihood Bernie Sanders is the eventual Democrat nominee were a George Strait song, which George Strait song would it be? A, I cross my heart, as in I'm confident, guaranteed, even. B, check yes or no. This one could go either way. Or C, oceanfront property in Arizona, as in no way, total scam. Aaron. Yes or no. Todd. Uh, yes or no. Josh. Yeah, it's unanimous. Yes or no. Okay. Issue four, Willie or won't he? Tom Brady has had himself a career. He's a six-time Super Bowl champion, a four-time Super Bowl MVP, a three-time league MVP, four-time NFL passing touchdowns leader, three-time passing yards leader, and has a career interception-to-touchdown ratio of 541 to 179. But after a disappointing 2019 season with New England, Tom Brady is set to become a free agent this offseason for the first time in his 20-year career. A few things that could happen are that the Patriots could resign him before his contract expires. He could resign with the Patriots after his contract expires. He signs a new deal with a new team, or he could retire. And with Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers moving to Florida to be closer to his family this offseason, speculation is that Brady could end up California bound. So, gentlemen, first question and take uh, and, and don't, there's no exit. So feel free to empty the tank on your answer. If you were advising Tom Brady, what NFL team would you counsel him to play for next season? Todd, can the home team be as literally go home be an answer? Or is it we like, just assume go back to New England? Retire. Oh, retire. Can I say that? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think he should retire not because i think he's he's done uh just because i i i want to see some men with dignity just go say you know what that was a blast that was fun 
it, I'm I'm gonna go. You want to see something do what John Elway did? I'm just yeah. I'm Walk not, out, I'm not, with, went in a Super Bowl, yeah. and and see well, on the flip side. Because I'm gonna show. Forget just football. I'm gonna show you know men in general like a sober-minded judgment of not not being afraid of the future. Yeah, I mean, good grief. I. I loved sports too. It came a time where even the you know over thirty baseball. You know, I had a couple kids. I couldn't play it anymore. You got to be able to you know know when to fold them. It's a sign of a man in full that you know there's more to life. I, it would just be a good example for everybody, not for him to start looking desperate, playing out the string, and end up getting surgeries to prolong it yet one more year. Just man, it's been a thrill. Tom Brady, you're the best ever. Just go home and. Now show us how it's done this way one more time. What do you think, Josh? So, you know, I'm actually a huge tennis fan. It's the one sport that I'm maybe decently competent at. And this morning I was watching Roger Federer pull out this miraculous five-set victory. He actually came back in the fifth-set tiebreaker. Down he is Methuselah by historical tennis standards. Yeah. Unbelievable. 38 years old, still number three in the world, competing for majors. Um, and, you know, like Tom Brady, he's the greatest of his time. So similarly with Federer and Brady, I don't think these guys should step down unless they are fully confident that they're ready to step down because they, they are both kind of just ageless wonders in their in their own right. And they're both the greatest of all time. And I just kind of would completely defer to them. What I would also counsel Tom Brady, I actually grew up a um, diehard New York Yankees fan. We were partial season ticket holders and all of that. Um, Derek Jeter was like my childhood sports hero along with Tiger Hood, Tiger Woods, excuse me. And one thing that was really remarkable about Derek Jeter, who obviously was just all almost unanimously elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, whoever the hell that one writer was wouldn't give him the freaking vote. Um, he played his entire career with the Yankees. And there is something very unique that stands out in contemporary sports world about that. It's exceedingly rare. And I, I do think that it's just, it's just nice from a sports fan perspective to, to see that kind of loyalty. So Unless Brady has a, a an incredible offer that I can't even foresee what it would be, I think that, I think that he should probably stay right there with New England. Aaron, I would ask him to what end? Do you want to play next year? Uh, to what end? Uh, do you want to win a Super Bowl? Are you more likely to do that with like? And I don't know if if I mean the rumors have been that Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, might be a good fit for him. And that might, you know what, of all of the suitors, if it's outside of New England, that might actually be the best place for him because they've got plenty of talent on the offensive side. But I would ask him to what end? Do you want to win a Super Bowl? If that's your end game, who are you more likely to do that? A team, a city that you're uh, not very well, although Brady is from California, correct? I think he's mm-hmm. from California. Yeah, he's originally from California. Yeah. You know, um, what? Are, but what? Where are you more likely to do that with a coach, a team that you've spent your whole entire career with, who has a tremendous best ever track record of getting to those big games and winning those big games, whether it's offensively or defensively, or is it in a completely new place with a completely new team and coaching staff? I think the answer to that, if you're wanting to win a Super Bowl, it's probably going to be staying with the Patriots. Now, I don't even know if the Patriots are going to offer him, but I would say if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, Patriots are bust. Otherwise, have a nice retirement and well. Well, I feel like I kind of know this guy because I've been following him for about 20 some odd years because he comes from my favorite team. And this is a guy that when he lost the starting quarterback job to Brian Greasy at Michigan, walked in and threatened to transfer because I was the best quarterback. He was third string at the time. I I, I just, uh, I could see him being motivated on his way out the door to see if what he could do sans Bill Belichick. And and get ultimate scoreboard of, hey, I I did it without you. I I could I could 
I could see him trying that. I could see that. And that's really dumb. And it's, it's being a dude, man. I get that. I totally get it. Let's get to predictions. Josh, you get to go first. Go ahead. Sorry, predictions for Brady? No, your general, general prediction. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so as of right now, if you're talking about Iowa, I actually I actually would predict that Bernie Sanders would eke it out, kind of contrary to what I just said in the previous segment. I, I'm saying Biden's a front runner until that result actually concretely comes in. But I... Uh, I really do think that Bernie Sanders, with that 15 to 18 percent roughly just kind of locked in, I think it's going to happen. I, I, and, for, and, and from there, the, the, it's very easy to see the dominoes falling in. So I, 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 my prediction at this point, if, even, though, even though I'm calling Joe Biden technically the front runner, in my, in my heart, I really do think that Bernie Sanders might very well be able to eat this out. Aaron. I really hate making this pr- prediction. I really do. And I, I'll hurry up here. really hate this. I do not believe that Kurt Schilling will make the Hall of Fame. I believe that he's going to get screwed over once more next year. Hmm. I could see him getting screwed over next year, but I do think eventually he'll get in. Todd? We are going to see uh, a significant increase in the number of incidences of uh, boys who feel pretty competing against girls in high school sports this come in, in high school track this coming spring, which is where it seems to be really planting its flag the deepest. I'm going to predict that whomever the Democrats nominate for president is going to make the canceling of all student loan debt one of their primary policy initiatives. And to combat this, I think Trump's reelect will counter with a massive middle class tax cut proposal instead. And I think this will be one of the large policy debates uh, that we will have during this next election cycle will be Trump with sort of a, a Bill Clinton style massive middle class tax cut from the 90s uh, vis-a-vis uh, whether we cancel all of that student loan debt as the Democrats I think will propose. Josh, good to see you. Thanks for joining us as always, man. You got it, of course. We'll come back. Hour two is next and it's Feedback Friday. It's your turn. We respond to you next. Stay tuned. And we're back live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. I want to thank Josh Hammer, editor at large of The Daily Wire, for joining us last hour with the Dace Group. I, I like it when he comes on. He's, he, he gives me some personal affirmation. When you look at his bio and the fact that I'm able to communicate with him without becoming a complete blabbering, slobbering idiot, it, it does make me feel a little better about myself. I'm not going to lie. It took us a couple decades to catch up with him, but nonetheless. Nonetheless, right. yeah. yeah. Nonetheless. It, it really raises the IQ of the entire show. Must you ruin everything? Yes. Okay. Well, now that that's clear. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. At Steve Dace Show. We'll get to some of the feedback you've been sending us to those various places here in just a moment. But if you do listen to us today via a podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would be so very grateful because the more of those we get, the more people like you, the various algorithms out there in the interwebs help us to find. Uh, and then the more of those people we find, the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living, 
And it's pretty clear we don't have too many other options if this doesn't pan out. So please do it for the children, ours, and the children that Aaron will one day have. All right? Give us those five-star reviews if you like the show. And thank you to all of you that have given those to us. If you have not yet done so, what really is wrong with you? Just do it right now, in fact. Thank you. Was, was, was that okay? Oh, I think that's the definition of I mean, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> you, you get you, like, you catch more flies with honey, right? Did, was was there enough uh, honey there? An okay amount of honey. That okay amount of honey? Was it better than Hillary? Yes. All right. <laughs> Success! Obtained once more. <laughs> Somebody yes. should make a new brand of honey called Better Than Hillary. Yes. In fact, that'd be a great line of like off-brand generic yes. products just across the board. Better than Hillary is just the name like of your the, off-brand. The Dharma boxes and lost. Better than Hillary. <laughs> You're handing out MREs to guys on their 48th tour in Afghanistan. And what are we having today, boys? Well, it says right here on the label, guys, better than Hillary. Eat up. Yes, indeed. All right, let's begin with some feedback Friday. You guys ready to go? Always for this. All right, uh, let's start with Jason, who says... Steve, an example of the analysis that you've been giving your audience in real life. I'm in a fantasy league and sports chat group with a lot of, uh, with a lot of black guys, and, and we get into politics. They would never vote Republican, and they thought that Obama you know, was George uh, Bailey Lasso in the moon for Donna Rice in It's a Wonderful Life, okay? But they absolutely hate the tranny stuff. They hate it with the heat of a thousand suns. The church guys, the, the, the black guys that go to church in our group, hate it for the obvious reasons. The other guys uh, hate it because of how the Dems fall all over themselves for it and continue to ignore them. That disenfranchised class crap the trannies have going really ticks them off, along with all the basically becoming a giant wuss to placate them. I'm just telling you, you're right. That dog's not going to hunt. And that that is anecdotal confirmation of what I've been trying to tell you for months. I don't want to make it look like I've got 50 black friends. I don't. One of the best friends I've ever had was black. He passed away a couple of years ago, right? Through him, I worked on racial reconciliation and interracial ministry projects here in our community. It didn't give me a lot of experience being around the black community. It just gave me a lot more experience than most whiteies have. <laughs> All right. I grew up in a racially diverse state, although I lived in one of the lily white suburbs of that racially diverse state. But we would often compete, whether it was downtown at the Grand Rapids, the GR YMCA in the off season, or whether it was actually during the school year, we would compete with a lot of people that didn't look like us. Okay. So I, I it's not like, you know, um, I, I need you to know, I'm, I'm not trying to pull a vanilla ice on, on you here. And my real name's Dennis Van Winkle and I grew up in Plano. Okay. Which is a very wealthy suburb down in Texas. Okay. I, I'm, but the limited experience I've had is far more than the average white band listening to me right now has had. And from that experience, I'm, I, I'm not shocked at this. I've been telling you, and it's why there was another poll yesterday Black and brown college students, right? Another poll yesterday. Which candidates do they like? And who was bringing up the rear? Gentlemen. Who was? The guy who's really blowing his chances in Iowa. Yes, indeed. 
Pete Buttigieg mired in the very, very low, very low single digits amongst both black and brown college students. I'm not shocked that that was never going to fly with that group. That may change in the future, you know, but we're not having the 2000. I've, I've been saying this since this cycle started. We're not having the 2028 election or the 2032 election. We're having the 2020 election. And, and, and the part that Jason noted there that I think is key too is the, is the, the, the delineation in the, in the blowback. One is a, just from, a, you know, folks that have a biblical worldview and they're like, that's, we're rejecting that out of hand. I mean, that's just total ingrate behavior to deny the image of God that you're made in. All right. But then there is a, there's the intersectionality aspect of it too. And I, I pointed out to you guys that when I was still writing for USA Today several years ago, um, they had me write a column about, uh, I think it was Windsor was the first marriage. Was Windsor, Windsor was before or, or Burgafell, right? Windsor yes. was the first one? Okay. And when it was a column from the right on the Windsor opinion. And I pointed out that it was the same week that the Supreme Court had overturned the Voting Rights Act of 1964. And so, I mean, it's an, it, it's, you can't ignore what they're really saying is you folks are no longer, you no longer have most favored nation status around here. You don't have most favored victim status. You don't have most favored faction status. This group over here does now. This group has most favored faction status. And don't think they didn't notice that two black folks who got elected to national office statewide in high population states, New Jersey and California, couldn't get off, couldn't get off the ground in this presidential process. And uh, Podunk BFE mayor from Indiana, which Republicans win by just showing up anyway, is still is still right in the fight. Don't think, don't think the black community didn't notice that either. And then don't think they didn't notice the reason why Pete Buttigieg is still in, is still a viable candidate here because of whitey. Don't think they didn't notice that either. Whitey's why suburban whitey loves him. That's like a plot of, that's like, that's like a subplot in get out too. Okay. I mean, they're, they're like, they're watching a lot of their political fears are playing out right now. Kamala Harris laughed off the stage. Cory Booker laughed off the stage. Pete Buttigieg with absolutely no resume other than the way that he likes to have sex. That's the only, he has no other political resume other than this. None. None. He, doesn't even, he hasn't even handled racial matters well in his own community, by the way. Right, so he has no other political resume. If, if he were, if he were a, if he were straight, male or female of any race, ethnicity, color, and and all he had done was was be mayor of of basically Cedar Rapids, Iowa. There's no way he's taken seriously as a presidential candidate. Not even in the Democratic Party, he is only being taken seriously because he represents the 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 top of the food chain in the intersectionality hierarchy. And, and the group that's put him there are a lot of, are, are the kinds, when the guy who was in the West Wing, what's his name? 
that was in Get Out. Oh, the actor Bradley Whitford. When Bradley Whitford, when he says the money line of Get Out, which is a phenomenal movie, absolutely one of the best movies of this decade. When, when he says, I voted for Obama twice and I'd have voted for him a third time if I could, he means it. Because that's how he justifies his, his, uh, his blatant left-of-center progressive racism. That's how he justifies it. Well, I voted for the black guy. And it's, it's Bradley Whitford's in, in all these suburbs and exurbs of Iowa that have made Pete Buttigieg a thing and didn't give Kamala Harris and Cory Booker the time of freaking day. Don't think they don't notice these things. They do. And this is why Pete Buttigieg is at 3%, even amongst the college students in the minority community who have been completely worked over by the rainbow jihad, totally and completely worked over. These are the same college kids that, well, maybe Jesse Smollett didn't, you know, was they were giving him the benefit of the doubt until last week. They're still not voting for Pete Buttigieg. And, and I think what has gone unreported, the great unreported political story in, in, in my career has been the division within the Democratic Party. I don't think the division within the Republican Party is overreported at all. I think it's absolutely accurate. But, but what's ignored by proportionality is what goes on, is the constituency rivalry in the Democratic Party. And it's going to get worse, by the way. This one's going to come to a head because next time around, we're going to get somebody that's, that's Pete Buttigieg with a resume that's going to have to be taken seriously politically, not just because they're the special interest group he represents. And boy, howdy, that is going to bring some things to a head. Your thoughts, Todd? I'm just so sad we have to wait because in the last... Six months, and we've had Christmas and everything. You have not had a happier day than when you finally saw my side of things and saw his relevance. Like, instantly, then you realize, like, if he wins Ohio. You mean Iowa. Iowa, and he wins New Hampshire. And then all of a sudden, the record needle just comes to a screeching halt. Yeah. And you already saw on CNN that panel that they had a taste of it. Like, why is this happening? And the people's guys, I I'm don't getting know. E- I got emails yeah. last yeah. week from Black Lives Matters yeah. directly sent to me. Okay, guys. Yes. If that doesn't illustrate further for you what we're talking about here, I, I like, can't make the point any clearer than that. It looks like you're going to be cheated of having that moment because you, you were so happy. Yeah. You were going to write a book. Yes, I know. I know. It's... I, I, I can't even have messy things. I know. I know. I know. Um, Ryan says, I love how everyone was overanalyzing why Nancy Pelosi was not sending over the impeachment papers. And we were guilty of that too. And you had all your strategic theories and it turns out she was really just waiting for her shipment of shiny pens to come in. That's as good as anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's as good as analysis as any, no doubt about it. Uh, This one is from Trent. I think the common understanding is that if the Democrats nominate a moderate, we need to define moderate, by the way. The moderate in the Democratic Party, you know what? I think I have the perfect description. Tell me if I'm wrong, okay? The, the leftist is Nikita Khrushchev taking his shoe off at the UN and pounding the podium with it. The moderate is when Nikita Khrushchev visited Iowa and Disneyland. 
but it's still Nikita. It's Khrushchev. still Nikita Khrushchev. Yes. Yeah. Is that is that fair? Now Aaron is right now googling Nikita Khrushchev. Sounds Russian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, it was. This was actual Russian collusion. Yes, is that fair? Is that a fair description? I'll take it because it's, it's, you're still you're still getting Nikita Khrushchev. It's just in one case, you know, he's he's riding. It's a small world, and in the other case, you know, he's 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 making you he's, you, you will be made to care. That's really the only difference. I mean, I love like Amy Klobuchar is supposed to be the moderate, and at the front end of her uh, getting involved in this, the stories were that like she was. An absolute no tyrant wire who, hangers who would harass her yes. staff. To, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, not so much. So now that we've defined that, let's go back to Trent's email. All right. So the common understanding is that, is that if the Democrats nominate a moderate and he or she loses to Trump, that they go completely off the rails and nominate a full blown communist next time around. Please correct me if this is wrong. My question is, what happens if they nominate somebody like a Warren or a Sanders and then lose to Trump? Thanks for your time and wisdom. They're never going back. Never going back. No, no. If they if they lose to and here's here's because here's the difference. Here's the other than you've had another generation removed from any form of a a theistic worldview that has coarsened the American left even more than it was in the eighties and nineties. But the the difference was the identity politic aspect of the American left when, when, when Todd and I were kids, the identity I politic aspect of it was an accoutrement. It was an accessory. The, the driving impetus is that government should do for people what they can't do for themselves. What's changed now is the identity politic, or as we call it in this day and age, the intersectionality that is now the driving force. It's not an, it's you're not it's not the accessory anymore. It's the outfit. It's what you wear. I mean, we're even we're even sitting here with an analysis that an old white guy who barely knows his name by the end of most of his days on the campaign trail is going to get rescued by black voters. Why? Because he was the VP of the first black president, right? I mean, even Joe Biden's candidacy, his his number one loyalty base is who is an, is driven by identity politics. So the identity politics is now moved from the passenger seat. It was it was riding along. It's now it's now driving the car. And and so once you've tethered this to your identity, you either you either get a new identity or you stay with the one that you have. Meaning you're not you're not you're not you're not tactically softening things. This is who you are. And so they're never going back. There's not going to be another Democrat leadership council like after uh, Herbert Walker Bush clubbed Michael Dukakis and Bill Clinton was like one of the founding members of, that's never happening again. Another one of the members of that was Al Gore. I mean, he's out there, you know, Greta Thunberg isn't radical enough. They're never going back to that. There will be no self-reflection, no introspection. What will happen if, if, if they nominate a Sanders or a Warren and they fail they'll do the same thing they would do if they nominate a Biden and they fail. We, we just need younger, more, um, more, more and younger intersectionality instead. And uh, so that's why no one's doing the analysis the other way because it's a pointless exercise. I mean, there, there is no other way. 
this is the way their truth and their life yes it's not changing revival or bust that's why i pushed back on the notion of virginia being a test case they're not plotting out the long game anymore they're at the end i mean this is i am this the senate the, this is the end game yes yeah i agree it's i i see i actually thought the statement on virginia was true but because it's the end game because because they they believe they're at their end game every time they get power this is what they're going to do there will not be any plotting or scheming or let's hold back on this um you know th- there's going to be there's no more phantom menace anymore it it's all i am the senate we are we are rolling out the clone army tanks day 1 how you like them apples and it we're and we're doing it whether we win by 10 points or we won by 10 votes that's what we're going to do that's why because i actually see the situation the way you do is why i thought the answer was true there's no need to plan anymore we're in the end game now we just ocasio cortez just flat out says i'm we're here for your power rashida talib just flat out says i'm israel's you know i'm I'm Mm anti-semitic we're we're just here now you know aaron what do you think yeah i mean there's there's a reason what was it Uh, bobby boucher the water boy was that his name yeah yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason why he was so good at uh, and, and just went crazy is because he got really mad and really upset all the time, and that's that's what enabled him to be good. Yes, I just made an analogy of leftism being like Bobby, but they are. They're all hopped up on emotion all of the time. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Always hopped up on emotion. No one loves that movie, so I've seen it a few times the last few months. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So that's uh, that. That's what makes them so. It would be one thing if there was some evil genius behind this entire thing, plotting its steps all the time. Uh, What is the uh, the marionette? The guy with the yeah pulling the strings. No, no. It's just id. It's just all personal id all of the time, united by one notion. Whether it's uh, by use of of moral uh, subjectivism or anything whatsoever, guided by one notion: power. Just anything to get power. My power. I'm. That's all I want. My group's power. That's all I want. My party's power. That's what I want. That's all that there is with progressivism. And I wish that it was a more, I don't know, singular enemy because then you can maybe plan a little bit better to defeat them over the. But no, I mean this. They have to be defeated, but there is no silver bullet here. No silver threading the needle, a silver bullet threading the needle perfectly. It just has to be defeated en masse. This is, this is, this is why I, I think what we're talking about here is really why I don't think there's any future in the Republican Party, at least on a national level. It, it's because you, you can't get them to see this. Trust me, I've tried. At first, I tried by working my way through the inside and getting to know many of these people. And then I thought, there's no way of getting through with them, so we're just going to need to replace them. Then we tried via the primary process. And you cannot negotiate with these kinds of elements. They're not, they're not here to negotiate with you. There's, there's no strategy or talking point. There's no spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down for these people. If... If, if Donald Trump opened the border wide open tomorrow, he would get no points. None. If Donald Trump went for a blanket amnesty tomorrow, no points. He's still a racist. Trump derangement syndrome. Before that, we had Bush derangement syndrome, Palin derangement syndrome. This isn't new. 
It's just amplified. John McCain was the most anti-choice nominee of all time when in his previous presidential run for the Republican nomination, he didn't even want Roe v. Wade overturned. John McCain was a misogynistic bigot. His national campaign manager was Stephen Schmidt, who essentially has Trump-gasms every night on MSNBC now. Romney had binders, binders full, of, full women of women to hire, and he yep. was a misogynist because he had binders full of women. Yes. You can't win. You, there is no winning. It's join or die. Klingons don't take prisoners. There's no... Um, imagine the Islamic horde without a jizya. There's no jizya. It's join or death. You will be made to care. That's all that it is. You will conform or you're terrible. And there's nothing you can do uh, up against that. You have to just simply, it has to be defeated. It, and there, now, now there's multiple ways to defeat something like that. Revival is a way to defeat it. I think it's the best way. It's the preferred way. Because the other way... Gonna hurt. Yeah. And a lot of good people get caught in the crossfire that other way. That's why we're revival or bust and not civil war or bust on this show. Okay. But, but there's not, you can't accommodate that. You, you, you cannot. There's just, there's no way to live with that because it's not going to live with you. It's, it's not. We're not, we're not arguing over top marginal tax rates anymore. We're not arguing about what the deductible on Medicare ought to be. We're not arguing about what income tax bracket, you know, how, what the earned income tax credit should be for low income earners or how many single moms should be able to be eligible for Medicaid expansion. We're not debating any of those things anymore. We're debating whether or not it was good to kill essentially the leader of Iran's proxy terrorist army, whether that was a good thing or not. We're, we're debating whether or not Guys who can't cut it with other guys can then pretend to be girls and take opportunities away from your daughters. There's a, I saw a clip that Matt Walsh shared right during the last break of, a, of some lefty on Fox News losing her damn mind about Trump's March for Life speech today that everybody knows unborn children aren't human beings. And that opinion's on Fox News. I, I mean, tell me, tell me where the negotiation is with that. Doesn't the other side have to offer terms for there to be a negotiation, right? Yes. Here's what they're offering. Unconditional surrender. That's the offer. You slit your throat or we do it for you. That's the offer. Your Your call. That's the offer. And if you want to know why so many people, when they get into this world with these folks, end up abandoning almost every conservative position they ever had, resistance is futile. Choice is irrelevant. Integrity is irrelevant. Sorry, I just watched the best of both worlds on BBC the other night. So <laughs> that Star Trek, the next generation classic is in my head. Liberty is irrelevant. Resistance is futile. That's why. That's why. 
That's the, because ultimately, um, you're, you, they really don't want your opinion. They want your conformity. Todd, you were going to say something. I was, but I think we should leave it at that. Okay, let's go to Jill, who wants to comment on canceling student loan debt. She says, when you compare the bailing out of farmers with the canceling of student loan debts, I need to eat or I die. So thank you, farmers. Bailing them out is one thing, but I don't need to bail out the brainwashing of young adults so that they embrace progressivism and socialism. Hell to the no on a college debt bailout. What Jill is articulating is the only practical political argument you're going to be able to make to justify why farmers are getting billions of dollars to get bailed out. But the college kids, they're going to be the ones sticking around here voting for the next few decades, don't. And this is where, again, Republicans fail. If you're not willing to make this level of argument, if you're not willing to make it this practical and this personal and this brazen and this obvious, you, you want to you know tiptoe between the raindrops, you want to dance around the thing, you want to come up with euphemisms and metaphors, you're dead. You're dead. Dead on arrival. Dead. And you can't argue values either because solutions trump people's values when they don't have any. I want a solution. You know, one of the, cool, one of the, one of the smart things we're doing on the Second Amendment the last few years is we're arguing it no longer at, from a philosophical, well, I believe in the Second Amendment. Well, you're up against people who don't, so buttons on your underwear. What do we do then, okay? Just look at each other? No. Um, argue it from a, from a, a solution standpoint. Well, why do you hate young women? You don't want to let them protect themselves. Why do you hate black people? You don't want to let them uh, protect them. You, you think America is a white racist country, but you don't want black Americans to be able to arm themselves and defend themselves from the rotting band of racists that threaten them on every street corner. Why, why are you racist? Frame everything in, a, in the form of a solution. That's a little bit of what Jill is doing here. I'm bailing out the farmers because they offer me a solution. They feed me. What the hell do you offer me? You know what, what else I like about this argument? And maybe you didn't even realize it, Jill. You're actually using their own utilitarian arguments against them. To each according to his abilities, yeah. for each according, or for each according to his abilities, to each according to his needs. You're basically making the argument that farmers are a, are a, are a, a bottom line profit asset to, uh, to American society. And your stupid uh, women's studies degree isn't. So screw you. That's their, that's their own pagan utilitarian argument, that there isn't any inherent value. Just whatever creates the most common good is what we ought to do. And of course, they're the ones that get to define what the, what the common good is, right? So that's the, there, there's a level of four-dimensional chess here to your rant. I'm not even sure that you realize that I like about it. What do you guys think? Uh, well, it kind of connects with what we did yesterday uh, and how you found a theological discussion out of something that wasn't transparently... Mm-hmm. Uh, theological, uh, I see uh, that in here as well. I was just, this is about, uh, I was disappointed in that a needs versus wants conversation uh, did not develop out of it. I mean, charity for people who need it is obviously our obligation, but college, certainly the way college is now is in no way a need it is a want and we under no obligation to rubber stamp it want to get your take on this aaron 
because we're talking about your g- g- generation. All right, we're going to do that. Roger. When we come back here, more Feedback Friday, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, happy new hair to all of you guys out there who discovered Keeps Hair Loss Treatment when we told you about it back in yonder days of 2019. I say happy new hair because you're well on your way to keeping the hair that you have. And listen up, 66% of you may even experience hair regrowth with Keeps as well. Because losing your hair sucks, Keeps wants to wish those of you who didn't take advantage of it, a happy new hair here in 2020 as well. Go to keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. Get the generic versions of the only two FDA approved hair loss products that are out there. And these generic versions will save you a bundle. So what are you waiting for? With Keeps, you can save your hair without ever leaving your couch. Just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right treatment for you. And then it's shipped discreetly to your door. And here's the happy new hair deal for you in 2020. Go to Keeps.com slash grow and get your first order of Keeps hair loss treatment for 50% off, half off, half off your first order. Did I say half? Indeed, I did. Half off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. Aaron, I want to get your take on what we were just discussing with Jill's note to us about the the distinction between bailing out farmers, which she's not necessarily approving of, but saying, if you give me a choice, bailing out farmers or who actually feed us compared to college students and your stupid, useless degrees, that's a pretty easy choice for me to make. Yes, that's a, that's a, really, good, uh, that's a really good point. My generation, progressives in general, don't really deal in 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 the in the realm of, of facts and logic, unfortunately. And back when I was growing up and listening to to talk radio and was becoming interested in, in things in, in politics and culture, I thought, you know what, just as long as you have a good argument, you're gonna be you're gonna be set. And make no mistake, it's important to have reasons and good defenses and turning around their own phony baloney arguments against them, as this uh, person emailing us absolutely did effectively. However, the root of all of this, I mean, all of these students, all of these kids who are wanting to get get bailed out of their college debt, all of them signed, signed their names to pieces of paper saying, yes, I will get out of debt. All of them did, didn't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to do that, saying... Uh, multiple loans saying, yes, I will repay this debt. Now, we can argue about whether or not they were sold a fa- false bill of goods. You know, being um, being um, able to get their bachelor uh, degree means that they're going to be able to get a better job. And, and people who actually have degrees and things in, in markets, in uh, economies that actually need them, you know, that's a pretty good thing. You're going to be on a good, uh, on a good uh, uh, a place financially, probably. But most... Most of the time, when you go to college, um, it's it's really not. I I didn't need a college degree to do anything that I am doing right now. Now, going to college opened up a lot of opportunities for me, and I will. I've never hid away from hid or shied away from that. But everything, technically, from the technical aspect of this show, and everything that I espouse and I I talk about, and the skills that I've developed, I didn't need college to do that. 
And so what we're really talking about here is a very, very strong sense of covetousness saying, I do not like you or I am jealous of you or I want what you have, meaning I want to be out of debt. I don't want this anymore. Covetousness, wanting something that is not yours. And I'm going to use your your money to make sure that I get what I want. Mm -hmm. That's what you're dealing with here. And no amount of arguing, no amount of clever arguments are going to get you out of that. And so I don't want to say that to discourage because that's a really, really clever email. And as far as if and when you get the opportunity like that Iowa man did a few days ago to confront Elizabeth Warren about this phony baloney thing, you do that. And you make that, you know what, you do that when you have the opportunity, but more often than not, it, they're just going to emote and they're just going to, going to say, but I want to, um, your facts, your logic, um, be damned, essentially. Yeah, you're right. Now, like I've said all along, this isn't the 2028 or 2032 election yet. It's 2020. There are still enough people out there that are convincible with these kinds of arguments. But it, that won't last, that window is closing, and the and the spirit of the age that Aaron is describing is something wicked. This way comes, Mister Bradbury. All right, it's rolling down the hill like a Mack freaking truck. All right, the Visigoths are coming over the wall, and they're only going to be stopped by revival or bust. So we're, we're we are rapidly approaching an era where this thing's going to be some become so calcified. There's not enough persuadable people that you either. Uh, give you either justify my I wanna, or um, we delegitimize you as a citizen. That that is coming. I firmly believe that's coming. We're not quite there yet, though. But that is absolutely the course that we are on, no doubt. So make these kinds of arguments now while you have an opportunity for them to be successful, because the time may soon come when those sorts of arguments won't work anymore. I mean, I, I watched a clip today where Pierce Morgan is, was being attacked on Good Morning, and the Today, the British version of the Today Show, where I guess he's the Bryant Gumbel on the show. Um, he's not uh, rainbow jihad enough because he doesn't think there's a hundred genders. Pierce Morgan, remember how much you hated him yeah. on, when he hosted his show on CNN? Yep. I mean, Ben Shapiro made his bones taking Pierce Morgan down on the gun issue. You know, uh, I was on his show a couple of times. Uh, got major daddy points, by the way, because our family's always loved America's Got Talent. He was one of the original judges on there, you know. Uh, but um, he's like Ricky Gervais now. He doesn't agree with us like on anything, guys, other than he doesn't want some silly little uh, statist that runs an algorithm at Facebook to tell him what he gets to say and think. Similar to Ricky Gervais. And I mean, they're running, they're running nationwide petitions in the UK right now to get him taken off the air. If there's no more room at the inn for Pierce Morgan, where do you think you're going to sleep? With the fishes. Okay, reality check. How many of, how many of you made a New Year's resolution to change your diet and to lose weight? 
And how is that going so far? Chances are you're having a lot of trouble fighting the cravings, but there is a solution and it's called Riduzone, developed by doctors and backed by two U.S. patents. Riduzone is the only FDA accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your caloric intake. Riduzone makes it easy to resist those cravings that ruin your resolve. Because face it, dieting alone can be just too dang hard. Make it simpler by keeping your resolve and getting your getting your weight and cravings and portion sizes under control with Riduzone, which is available exclusively at Riduzone.com. Use promo code Steve to get up to 65% off your order. That's Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. Promo code Steve gets you 65% off and free shipping. That's a huge deal. Free shipping and 65% off when you use my name as the promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Z-O-N-E. And what you're going to like the most about this is the way that it works. It's not loaded with a bunch of stuff you can't say, pronounce, fillers, chemicals, none of that. All right. Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Take advantage of that uh, incredible offer. Let's go back to Feedback Friday. This is from Jared. I'm not going to say anything after I read this. I'm going to go right to you guys and get your reaction. All right. All right. He says, I predict after Trump's second term is complete, the likes of Franklin Graham and Pat Robertson, Michael Tate, who's that's the lead singer of the Newsboys, for those of you that don't know, and all others present at that evangelical summit the other day will begin distancing themselves from the likes of Paula White, Robert Jeffress, etc. Floor is yours. Your reaction to Jared's prediction. Uh, I'll go first, Todd, since I'm not, uh, since you're Catholic. Um, hmm. I think it depends. I think it depends on whether or not Paula White has a has an important position with whoever the next Republican nominee is. If she's if she's going to be in the position of being a, a spiritual advisor again, <laughs> heck no, uh, they're not going to distance themselves. If she is back to going uh, to some grifter, trying to bilk poor people out of the few dollars that they have then yeah, they'll probably start to distance themselves. But if she somehow, some way retains whatever modicum of position or stature or seat at the table that she has, there's no way in heck that they're going to distance themselves from her because they need that seat at the table too. Todd? Yeah, they're not... It's going to have to depend on some actual circumstance. They're not going to... Like, as a out-of-the-gate tactic, tried to do that. They're going to just get on with their life. And I think that would create, demand too much self-awareness, self-awareness that they haven't shown so far. Why are they going to show it then? I I also wouldn't group Paula White in with Robert Jeffress. I'm I'm not a fan of his shtick, which is craven opportunism. But there's been plenty of pastors that preached orthodoxy, but, but then found ways to get around it, to get them the exposure and stuff that they wanted. Okay. Paula White has been a false teacher all along. She's, she's never been a priestess of orthodoxy. She has been preaching uh, a false fake gospel from day one. So I, I wouldn't mix Robert Jefferson 
I mean, he's just, this is just craven opportunism. I just, you know, want more exposure. I don't, I don't see Robert Jeffers out there denying core teachings of the of historical teachings of the Christian faith. Okay. He's just as, he just doesn't preach him as much anymore while he preaches the gospel of the, of Trump America and the Republican party. But Paula White is, is, is a rebuke, is a, is a rebuke uh, against, uh, she's, she's, she's a figure of hetero, heterodoxy is what I would say. But the point of your email is interesting. Um, Here's what I, I don't know that you'll see any kind of formal break, but I could certainly see some of those figures just uh, letting some of those relationships and connections quietly go by the wayside, kind of the, their own version of that Homer Simpson gif where he just yeah, kind of quietly slinks saying. back into the, into, into the ferns there. You know, I, could, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I could. Uh, this is to uh, this is from Caleb Stuckey in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. What a cool name for a town that is, Broken Arrow. That's sweet. He wants to know. Um, I've always had a question about campaign finance laws, to which I've never gotten a competent answer. Well, if you if you're looking for an incompetent answer, you have come, Caleb, to the right place. Uh, how is it, and should it be legal for politicians running for office to receive donations to campaigns from donors who do not, do not live in their state, district, etc.? presidency excluded of course i feel like that undermines the intent of local constituencies caleb i would love for you well your your instinct i agree with your um stance i don't and here's why because you should be right right like i i should not care per se who the congressman is from the 18th district of 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 california i I don't live in California. The, the way the system was set up, I'm not really supposed to care about that. And I'm probably not even really supposed to know their names because they're not supposed to be there for evs. Right? I shouldn't care. Similar to if, if you're living in the, the, the 7th Congressional District of North Carolina and you're listening to me today. You shouldn't care who's the congressman from the 3rd District here in Iowa. You sh- or woman for that matter. You shouldn't care. But we have been made to care. These are all national audi- offices now. Because everything has been nationalized. So if we had a proper view of federalism, if we had a proper, if we were rightly dividing the ninth and 10th amendments, especially the 10th one, you would be correct. But we're not. So I'm not afforded the luxury of living in uh, the world that, that, that you want us to adjudicate. So if you're going to force me now that I have to care that every single one of those 435 members of Congress, what's the line from Mel Gibson's The Patriot? Why you want me to uh, extinguish a, you know, one tyrant 2,000 miles away for 2,000 tyrants one mile away or, or something along those yeah. lines, right? Well, that's exactly where we're at now. So if you're telling me that every time um, that, that there's 435 many dictators in the, in the halls of Congress and 100 in the U.S. Senate, Dang Skippy, I better get a voice in that process then. Absol- absolutely. So I, I, your lament begins from a righteous premise, just not from the premise of the times in which we live, unfortunately. Thoughts? Man. That's a, that's a Dacian answer if there ever was one. I'm, I'm leaving it. I'll just get in the way. All right. Let's go to Jarrett Beck. 
who asks or writes, I was thinking about the line in the Declaration of Independence that says all men are created equal. That seems like a phrase that the left could easily use in order to justify granting more rights to we, the people, by bastardizing the true meaning of said phrase. Could you please explain the difference between how the left views equality and what was actually meant by that line? It seems... Like it could be used. Yes. <laughs> that horse yeah. left the barn a long time ago. I want to. I'm going to do a version, a mini version of what I did yesterday on Theology Thursday. You're arguing a point, or want clarification on a point. They're never going to argue because leftists don't believe you were created. They 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 don't they don't believe in God. They don't they don't believe you were created in the image of the one true God of the universe and that your rights come from God. So they, they just were, so you're right that they could bastardize that Mr. Beck, but, but arguing that bastardization is, is like damning the river after the town is flooded, right? It's like, it's like trying to figure out what master lock to put on the barn when the horse is already gone. It's, it's, it's not that your point isn't relevant. It's just not prevalent. Um, you, you, since we lost the the argument four steps from here, there's no point in arguing right here. This is this, this isn't it's irrelevant because if we don't agree we're created and made in the image of God and that's where our rights come from. Really, every other meta argument that's the prime directive of the country. That, that's the prime directive of America. There is a God. Our rights come from Him, and government's primary role is the protection and preservation of those God-given rights. If you lose there, it, it, it really doesn't matter if they want to retcon Clause uh, 14 when the mission statement's toast, right? So uh, uh, your, your, your observation is correct, but if you're arguing that point, you've already lost. It's, yeah, uh, to, not to pick on this wound more, but to totally do this, it, it's kind this means of he's like, about to pick on the wound more. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like arguing about how you didn't like the plot of, uh, uh, of the latest Star Wars movie. Oh, no. After The Last Jedi. It's like there's no real point because there's no real fixing it at this point when it's already been screwed up and messed up. You know, it's 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 kind of akin to that. There's which is why Todd's stance is: I wish they would have never made this trilogy because yeah. there's no fixing it yeah. now. Yeah, I wish they had never done it at all. Right? Yeah. Once yeah. you've crossed the Rubicon, you've crossed the Rubicon. There's no there's no going back uh, unless uh, barring revival or defeat of of the enemy, uh, which whichever one comes first. So, so for example, here's how you can turn your point to your advantage, Mister Beck. Uh, and I, I just wanted to say that because I think it sounds cool. Um, if they were to begin to retcon this the way that you think, do not argue against their retconning. Argue so you guys do think we're created then. Well, then who created us? Meaning use it as an opportunity to go back to your, to reassert your main premise. All right. Yesterday there was, this was actually done and, and I get on the click conservative media but yesterday, the click conservative media nailed it. And I'm so, you know, we're going to call balls and strikes here. When Chris Cuomo at CNN started going off on uh, Secretary Mnuchin and some others 
basically saying Greta Thunberg's not a serious character and how are you going after children? And the way that a lot of click conservative media jumped on him with the Nick Sandman Covington Catholic thing, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Don't argue that it's okay to criticize Greta Thunberg. Argue the entire lack of efficacy of any of his point yep. of his existence whatsoever. That's it. That's the issue. Hey, thanks for tuning in here today. Have a great weekend. Overtime coming up for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we'll see you on Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.